Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. All right. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Pastor RJ is going to come and give us a message on fatherhood. So let's welcome Pastor RJ. Good morning, everyone. Happy Father's Day. Is everyone having a good day? I had a laugh. A couple months ago while I was up here, my doorbell went off. And I watched a guy while I was preaching steal the packages off my porch. And then I got a random call on Friday night from the police. They caught him. <laughs> There's a lesson to be learned there. Don't mess with pastors. <laughs> anyway, um, Father's Day, a holiday honoring one's father, relevant father figure, as well as fatherhood, paternal bonds, and, bonds, and the influence of fathers in society. Now, I'll come back to that when we get to concepts of fatherhood in a few minutes. But today... Um, as you saw the transition team, and they do a great job. Uh, we, uh, I told them I want to do tithes and uh, Abba offerings. So anyway, they left it for me. So when we talk about tithes and offerings, and, and it is Father's Day, and Abba is like the Aramaic name for, for daddy, for God, for the father. And um, so every Father's Day, we receive an offering called Abba, or Abba offering, and then people contribute to that all through the course of the year. But um, I like to explain it this way. For me, I'm in a covenant with the creator God. Now, he initiated the covenant and sealed it with his own blood towards me. So God reached out to me and sealed the covenant with his own blood. But at salvation, there was an exchange that took place and my sin debt was paid, but my life became his. And now I'm what the Bible calls a bond servant or a volunteer servant of the most high God. As a result of that, everything that I am, everything that I will be, everything that I have, everything I think I own, it's God's. It belongs to him. He has given me everything good. Just like he's given you everything good. Your life, air. How many like air? Air is good. Food, water, relationships, forgiveness, money, talents, etc. See, So first and foremost, when I look at the tithe, 100% of what I have belongs to God anyways. He wants 10% back so that we can take care of his bride, the church, or the local church. That's all of us here in this local community. With the tithe, we cover our operations. You know, that's why the lights are on and the air conditioning and payroll and building and maintenance and electricity and water. and, And a lot of our outreaches get covered through that um, as a rule. And then offerings, they help us with, I'm going to call it extra outreach, special projects, large replenishments. You know, when the HVAC unit goes down and it's hot in here, everyone goes, why is it so hot in here? Oh, because the unit's malfunctioning. We need to change it or fix it. So offerings as a rule, and, and in this case, ABBA, I call it like a capital campaign, but, but it, not everything that we do with ABBA is capital project, but, but most of it is. And then generally offerings... Nobody saw that. <laughs> I had my iPad upside down, and when I grab it, I hit the little off button, and then my notes go away. 
Generally, offerings are sacrificial. Jesus specifically contrasted the widow who gave little and all that she had versus the rich who gave out of their excess. If you, if you read that account, they call it the widow's mite or the widow's penny. Basically, she gave sacrificially of all that she had, and it hurt when she gave. Many people, when they give offerings, they give out of their excess. There's no sacrifice. It doesn't cost them anything. They're not sacrificing anything. So when we look at this, and, and I find it interesting because in the verses before, Jesus actually rebuked some of the rich who were oppressing the poor. In this case, they were robbing the widows. In, in, just the, in just the same context, he was talking to them and saying, hey, you take advantage. There was some social injustice that was happening there. And Jesus was calling them out on it. And, and even in, in today's world, we have to be careful because sometimes with the much that God has given us, we forget how blessed we really are. And we forget about people that don't have as much as us. So as a matter of faith and practice, uh, my wife and I committed day one of our marriage. We, this was something we talked about before we got married. Uh, but from day one that we have been in a covenant with each other and Christ, um, we have brought our tithe into the storehouse. And then we also wanted to sow into other things such as, but not limited to, um, we sponsor a child monthly. Um, we give to the Benevolence Fund of the church. We give to the food bank, the Windsor Lifeline Outreach, which is having the barbecue today to raise some funds so that they could feed people that don't have as much as us. There's a lot of people in Windsor area that don't have enough food right now. And uh, we believe in recovery. We support the WLC. We support guest speakers. We support itinerant ministers. We support special projects. We want to sow into things that God is doing so that we can be a blessing to others. And I was laughing about this at first service. Um, there's this law of seed time and harvest. How many know seed time and harvest is God's, God's law? It operates in the earth. And I'll come back to this later, but it talks about if you plant a few seeds, you're only going to get a few crops. If you plant a lot of seeds, you get a lot of crops. How many know this to be true? Well, for whatever reason this year, my wife planted a lot of lettuce. <laughs> our garden is booming and we like our salad in our family. Um, I, I have a lot of estrogen in my household and uh, they, they like their salad but we, uh, we tend to eat quite a bit of that. But we have so much salad that we've been giving it away to all the neighbors and some of our friends because it's just, we have a plethora of salad. And, but the, the thing that I find interesting is you plant a lot of seed, you reap a big harvest. And then as a result of the big harvest, it gives us the ability to be generous with people so that we can give away salad. Fresh salad right out of the garden. Have you ever had it? Like, like talk about farm to table. Like five minutes ago, it was sitting there in your backyard and then it's on my plate going into my stomach. <sighs> Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. But we give cheerfully and we don't give under coercion. Okay, there's no guilt. I don't have to give out of guilt. I give because I want to. Now, this year for ABBA, for the church, as far as the outreach aspect of it, because we take a portion of it and we give it to outreach, we have a local camp for kids in the community and we have our backpack outreach that we like to give to. 
Now, I'm believing that the people of Windsor Christian Fellowship are going to rally, and those of you watching us online, I'll come to you in a second, um, are going to support us so much that we're going to have an abundance of money to pay for the camp, the backpack outreach, and if there's leftover, don't worry, I have lots of places that I can sew it into. Right now, I know that Matthew House has a great need. They have a lot of refugees coming in. And the Bible specifically tells us on how we deal with the foreigner that's in our land. Now, for those of you that are streaming today, hello. Thank you for tuning in with us. Um, I would like you to consider an offering as well. I know this may not be your home church if you're streaming us. Um, uh, Your tithes should go to your home church. That's where we want it to go to, your local church. But there are expenses that go along with providing a quality broadcast. Um, And offerings are appreciated. They help us. We're currently upgrading our ISP, uh, connection speed. We want to look at our backbone for fiber and switches to have more reliable internet and connectivity. How many know that's important in the day and age we live in? I don't know about you guys, but at my house when the Wi-Fi goes down, and it does quite often, um, you know how long it takes me to know? About 10 seconds, because every kid in the house steps out of their room and looks up from their device and says, did you turn off the Wi-Fi, Dad? Sometimes I do it just for fun to see their faces. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? I have a scripture verse I'd like to read to you from Exodus 35. Now bear with me for the first 10 verses. I know you're going to be tempted to tune out, but just listen to this list. Come all you who are gifted craftsmen, construct everything that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle and its sacred tent, its covering, clasps, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases, the ark and its carrying poles, the ark's cover, the place of atonement, the inner curtain, the shield to the ark. The table, its carrying poles, and all its utensils, the bread of the presence, for light, the lampstand, its accessories, the lamp cups, the olive oil for lighting, the incense altar and its carrying poles, the anointing oil and fragrant incense, the curtain for the entrance of the tabernacle, stay with me, the altar of burnt offering, the bronze grating of the altar, its carrying poles, utensils, wash basin with the stand, the curtains for the walls of the courtyard, the post and their bases, the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard, the tent pegs, the tabernacle in the courtyard and the ropes, the beautifully stitched garments for the priest to wear while ministering in the holy place, the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons to wear as they minister as priests. They made a list of what they needed for the portable place of worship in the old covenant under Judaism. So they used to go to the tabernacle to worship until later they built the temple. So the whole community of Israel left Moses and returned to their tents. I want you to catch verse 21. All whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. They brought all the materials needed for the tabernacle, for the performance of its rituals, and for the sacred garments. Both men and women came, all whose hearts were willing, They brought to the Lord their offerings of gold, brooches, brooches, earrings, rings from their fingers and necklaces. They presented gold objects of every kind as a special offering to the Lord. All those who owned the following items willingly brought them, blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, goat hair for cloth, and tan ram skins, fine goat skin leather. All who had silver and bronze objects gave them as a sacred offering to the Lord. And those who had acacia wood brought it in for use in the project. All the women who were skilled in sewing and spinning prepared blue, purple, and scarlet thread in fine linen cloth. All the women who were willing used their skills to spin the goat hair into yarn. The leaders brought onyx stones and special gemstones to be set in the ephod, the priest's chess piece. They also brought spices and olive oil for light and anointing oil and fragrance oil, incense. 
So the people of Israel, every man and woman who was eager to help with the work of the Lord had given them through Moses, brought their gifts and gave freely to the Lord. This was the nation of Israel at this time coming together for a special project to build the tabernacle, which was a place where they did the sacrifice so that their sins could be forgiven until later when Jesus came. You knew this, right? Now, in the New Covenant, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the whole chapter is really the Apostle Paul taking up an offering for the church in Jerusalem. It's a free will offering, once again, free will. Can everyone say free will? Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. Farmers, few seeds, small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. That's why a couple weeks ago I said you need to pray and ask God because I don't want you to give under coercion or manipulation. I don't want you to feel compelled. I want you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit and be obedient. That's how Christians live. Don't give reluctantly in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer, then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then provide a great harvest of generosity in you. So my hope and expectation is those that are willing and those that God has spoken to will be obedient and give sacrificially that which God has placed on your heart to give so that as you sow much seed generously, God will be able to reward you with a good increase inside of your life. And how many say amen? So my hope is that as we, the body, pull together, that every need will be met so that the assignment on our house will be met. Those things that God has called us to do here at Windsor Christian Fellowship will be accomplished as each person commits to do what God has told them to do. And you say, but pastor, I don't have a lot. You don't need a lot. You just have to be obedient. And whether you sow one dollar or whether you sow a million dollars is not what God looks at. God looks at your obedience based on what he's told you to do. Because I assure you, the one who can sow a million, it'll probably hurt them less than some of the ones that sow a dollar. But this is how you build. This is how you build, okay? Seed time harvest. You plant seed, you harvest. You plant seed, you harvest. That seed operates in the earth or that principle operates in the earth, whether you're a Christ follower or not. I've seen some people that don't fear God, but they believe in sowing and they plant seed and then they harvest a crop. It's even better for us who can sow in faith out of obedience to what the Spirit's directed us to do. So I want to encourage all of you, seek the Holy Spirit, ask him what he thinks, and if he's put it on your heart to participate, then sow into the Abba Fund. Some of you might want to do that over a course of... um, 52 weeks where you sow so much money a week, uh, $20 a week for 52 weeks is about $1,000 a year. If everyone in the room gave $1,000, we'd be doing okay for the ABBA offering, for the special projects. But some can give more, some can give less, some won't be able to give any. But that's okay. If you can't give it cheerfully, it's better that you don't give it. And yes, I said that out loud. All he wants is my money. I don't want your money. 
God wants your heart. If he's got your heart, he's got your money because 100% of what you have is his already. So uh, you can give e-transfer. There's pre-authorized checking. There's envelopes. There's uh, push pay on our our Windsor Christian Fellowship app. There's the uh, Welcome Center on the FOIA. There's lots of ways that you can give. I encourage people all the time, if you're just learning to step out in faith in this, Start by like doing uh, $5 for benevolence and $5 for the food bank and $5 to missions and, you know, $5 to the projects. And then you've got an extra $20 every time that you're giving that you can start sowing in faith and believing that God's going to multiply your seed. But I assure you, if you don't give him something to multiply, he has nothing to work with. All right. Can you stand with me? So, Father, I thank you for today. It's Father's Day 2023, and we have this great opportunity, Father, to sow into your kingdom, to sow in faith. Lord, I thank you that you're moving on the hearts of men and women and that every need is going to be met according to your purposes. So, Father, I thank you that we as a local body can gather together and that we can make an impact inside of our local community, and you're helping us, Lord. I thank you for your law of seed time and harvest that is in the earth, and I thank you that those that are willing, Father, can do so cheerfully that they can give. And Lord, as they give and as they release their seed, I thank you, Father, that your favor and blessing and your rich generosity is poured out towards them as well, um, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. In 1924, Calvin Coolidge recommended national observance of the day, Father's Day. Why? To impress upon fathers the full measure of their obligation. So that means, fathers, you have some responsibilities. If no one's told you that before, you do. And then he wanted to strengthen the intimate ties between fathers and their children. He wanted to develop a relationship between fathers and children. Ephesians 6, 4 cautions us, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to the point of resentment with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive, nor by showing favoritism or indifference to any of them, but bring them up tenderly with loving kindness and the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So as we're talking about this today, these concepts of fatherhood, okay, one of the things I wanted to start with is, and I'll encourage all of you fathers, one of the greatest things you can do to make an impact on the lives of your children is to love your wife, to love the mother of your children. Now, I have a wife. Wife, can you stand up? This is my wife, Mary. Some of you can see her. And and I love my wife. I serve my wife. I want to respect and honor my wife at all times. Even if we're in um, disagreement or conflict or maybe we're not so happy with one another sometimes. Has anyone ever had to walk down that road? But I I wanna love my wife and honor my wife because I want my children to see how they should be treated when they meet a man. 
right? I want to try to model and be the man that I want them to find, and hopefully better men than me. But the truth is, what? Well, hey, I didn't say sit down yet. Keep standing. <laughs> Let me love you out loud. No, no mics sound then, no mics. <laughs> Let me love you out loud. No, but, but what happens is, when they meet, I want them to think, okay, how did my dad treat my mom? And is this guy treating me like my dad treated my mom? Right? The greatest thing, one of the greatest things you can do as you love Jesus, you serve and you love and you respect and you honor your wife. Anyway, I love my wife. Thank you. You can sit down. But see, your concept of God, oh my goodness. I dribbled my coffee. That's hilarious. <laughs> Swallow before speaking. And see, I went outside to the barbecue and I had to test out the sausage to make sure it's safe for everybody. And my wife was like laughing at me like, I'm surprised you didn't spill any on your shirt. Because, you know, I have a bad habit of wearing my food occasionally. Um, so I had to wear my coffee, but it's okay. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> that's so funny. Years ago... I heard a man named Robert Cornwell deliver a message. And his, his message was, your concept of God determines your relationship to him. And he went into many aspects of that. And that was about 30 years ago. And I still remember that message vividly. Now, his brother, Judson Cornwell, and his sister, Iverna Tom, they were more no, well-known in Christian circles in those days. And the truth is, uh, I don't even know if I liked all that Robert Cornwell had to say. Some of his books got a little bit out there for me. But... This message was bang on, it was right on, it was spot on, and 30 years later, I still remember some of those concepts that he talked about. And this is kind of my, my version of his one point where your concept of God as father will determine how you relate to God as your father. And when we're talking about concepts of fatherhood, and see, even as I said that, I can see different responses on the faces of the people around the room because every one of you had a different experience with your own earthly father. And some of you had very good experiences and some of you didn't have such good experiences. And as a result of that, there's a lens by which you see your relationship with the Father God in heaven. Now, some of you might say, um, I never knew my father or he left, or he, he died, he passed on in the next life when I was very young. Or, and, and you today might find yourself in your relationship with God struggling with the idea that God is with you, that God is for you, that he hasn't forsaken you or left you or abandoned you because in your life, the only experience you have is your father abandoned you or your father left you or your father. And I'm not throwing shade at your father. I'm just saying that's your reality. And I find it very interesting. When Jesus came to planet Earth a couple thousand years ago in the prophet Isaiah, what did they say he was going to be called? He was going to be called Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. He even took the name God is with us. Why? Because he hasn't forsaken us. He hasn't left us. He hasn't departed. He's with us. He came to be with us, and he came to be with you. And whether your natural father was a good lens for you to view the Father God or not such a good lens by being maybe absent or not there or dead, 
um, passed on to the next life, right? Then you need to understand God is still with you and he is your father. He's not gonna leave you. Hebrews 13, five. I thought this was a really interesting verse, especially since it's Abba Sunday. Uh, Don't love money. (laughs) Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. God will never fail you and he'll never abandon you. People walk away from God all the time, but he is not uninvolved in your life. There's times when you don't feel his presence or scent, but he is right there with you. And the youth team that did a great job today as they led us in worship, they didn't even know that that was in my notes when they put that song, The Blessing, on there that talks about God is for you. He is with you and he's a generational God and he's there for your children just like he's there for you and your children and their children's children and the children's children. And why? Because God wants to bless humans. Now, some of you, your father, concept of God determines your relationship to him. He was a strict authoritarian style uh, focusing more on obedience and punishment. You know, the, the father, when he says jump, you say, yes, sir, how high on the way up and try to adjust mid-flight. Um, sometimes that focus on punishment and discipline over correction or or punishment over discipline and correction and steering and guiding leads to self-esteem issues and you're rarely allowed to have an opinion and a lot of times you become aggressive. You're so afraid that God's gonna punish you all the time. Every time you miss the mark, You're expecting lightning from heaven to come down and consume you. It's an unhealthy fear of God. There's this anxiety. There's this lack of ability to connect and be accepted by God. It's a constant struggle for you. In your mind, in your relationship with God, you feel like God's always rejecting you. He's always judging you. He's always casting you down. He's always punishing you. Has anyone ever been there? More than one or two. And see, I want to read. I actually found a way to get lamentations into a message. I love it. <laughs> but, but, but hear what it says in Lamentations 3, verse 22. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Do you know that God's mercies are new every day? Every day is a fresh new start with him. His mercy is new for you every single day. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. His mercies are new and there for you today. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it's good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. And it's good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. Wait, what? Yes, The younger you are that you start to submit to God's plan and his purposes for your life, the better it's gonna, the the, the better it can go for you because you do a lot less damage to yourself by going out and doing things the wrong way and making a lot of scrambled eggs that are never gonna unscramble. We make messes for ourselves, and then we come to God and say, God, fix the mess I made. And he does over time but it's often painful and it's often process and it leaves scars that remind us of the brokenness that we came from when we came to him. But his discipline is good for us. 
Did everyone hear me say that? God's discipline in your life is good for you. And I'll come back to that a little bit later. But let them sit alone in silence beneath the Lord's demands. Let them lie flat, face down in the dust for there may be hope at last. Let them turn the other cheek to those that strike them and accept the insults of their enemies. For no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion because of the greatness of his unfailing love. He does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. God does not enjoy the pain that you are in. Everyone hear me say that? God does not enjoy you being in pain. In fact, he came to get you out of pain. And then your concept of God determines your relationship to him. When I say God is your father, if your father was permissive, you know, there was no rules in your house. You kind of did what you wanted. You came and went as you pleased. You may have a hard time relating to God as the king in obeying his commands. In fact, I see people do this all the time. They pout and throw temper tantrums when they don't get their way. I'm gonna take my ball and I'm gonna go home. My ball. Nobody gets to play if I don't get my way. It's my rules. His truth, God's truth, does not change according to your whims, your desires, or what your flesh wants. It doesn't. And what God calls your pet, when God calls your pet desire sin, you try to justify it and start negotiating with him. For instance, some time ago, there was a man that wanted to be a guide on our encounter. He doesn't go to our church. He's not a part of our structure or under our system. So I told him no. No. He didn't like that. He didn't like no, because in his life, people tell him yes all the time. But when you tell someone no, it reveals what's in their heart. It comes out real quick, doesn't it? You may not like the process. I'm gonna tell you something. The work that God does while he's qualifying you in the process prepares you by shaping and forming your character so you can walk in the assignment that he has designed for your life. One of the best words I ever heard a prophet give someone. It wasn't some great deep word. There was a man that was young and eager and he ran up to the prophet to get a word. And the prophet looked at the young man and said, son, preparation is not lost time. The season of preparation in your life will form the character inside of your life so that when the assignment of your life starts coming to pass, you have the character to keep you there so you can complete the assignment that God has placed upon you. So many people circumvent, they abort, and they stop the process of God inside of their life, and then they never fulfill all that he has for them. That is not a conversation I want to have with God when I go stand before him. Now, in John 14, 15 to 21 in the Amplified, if you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive. The world has a hard time receiving truth, okay? And take to heart because it does not see him or know him. But you know him and you see him and you have him within you so you can receive the spirit of truth. You can receive truth. But you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, bereaved, and helpless, I will come back to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. On that day, when the time comes, you will know for yourselves that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. 
The person who has my commands and keeps the commandments and keeps them is the one who really loves me. Who's the person who really loves Jesus? The person who keeps his commandments. Whoever really loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and reveal myself to him and I will make myself real to him. And then it leads me to the final concept I wanted to talk about. Your concept of God determines your relationship to him. Your concept of God as a father. If your father was authoritative and loving, not authoritarian, sorry, not authoritarian, but authoritative, um, you can be secure in your father's love. And when God says he loves you, you don't have a problem receiving his love and accepting his love because that was the lens that was formed for you. In Ephesians chapter three, the scriptures tell us, all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. In Christ, you're blessed. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided, I want you to catch this, in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. God decided before you were created to adopt you into his family as a son of God or a daughter of God. He made you to be his children. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. He takes joy in you being alive and you being his son and you being his daughter. So we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He showered us with kindness along with all wisdom and understanding. I want you to understand something. Your concept of God, while it may be initially through a lens of your earthly father or father figure or authority figure in your life, okay, as Christ comes and dwells within us and we look at what the word of God says in the scriptures, we can start changing the way that we see the father so that we can receive his love so that we can operate as sons and daughters in the identity that he has for us. Because so many people, they never find the identity that God has for them. They never identify as a son of God or as a daughter of God. They never identify as a Christ follower, as a citizen of heaven. And they don't take on the nature and the character of Christ. And they inevitably fail to live up to the potential that God has placed within them. You can be sure that God our Father loves you. He sent Jesus to die for you. He has a great plan for your life. Even when he's lovingly correcting you and working things out in your life. See, Proverbs 3 in the Amplified tells us, my son, do not reject or take lightly the discipline of the Lord. Learn from your mistakes and the testing that comes from his correction through discipline, nor despise his rebuke. For those whom the Lord loves, he corrects even as a father corrects his son in whom he delights. If God is not guiding you, if God's not addressing the issues in your heart, if God's not addressing your motives, if God's not addressing your actions, I have concerns. Because he loves us, he's there for, he wants the best for us, so he wants our character to be refined and refined 
and refined in that process. And he sanctifies us over time. And that's why all of us constantly go before him and say, what do we say? God, search my heart, try me. If there's anything not of you and me, expose it. Why? So I can get rid of it and stop doing that and not doing that anymore. Y'all would be really proud of me. The other day, someone cut me off in the roundabout and I didn't even say a word. Didn't even blink an eye. I looked at my wife and said, see, hon, no response. I'm getting better. <laughs> Mind you, I was probably too busy not trying to go through the windshield because I slammed on the... <laughs> no. The point is, we're all in this process. I have one more thought for today before we go to the Lord's Supper. Fathers, children are a gift and a blessing. Please stop tearing your children down. Speak life. Proclaim the promises of God and stand firm in your faith. God has a way of sorting things out. Psalms 127 verses 3 to 5. Children are a gift from the Lord, they're a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. So you can all stand with me at this time. You know, as we're, as we're preparing to come to the table, the covenant meal, I started with we're in a covenant with God and we're his covenant children. And as covenant children, he will provide for every need that you have. But there is the law of seed time and harvest that's going to operate inside of your life. Keep that in mind. Now, no matter what your concept of father was right now today at the table, we all stand equal saved by the blood of Jesus, made sons and daughters, adopted into God's family. We're all his kids at different levels of maturity and development. So Father, I thank you for the bread in our hands. And Jesus, as your body was broken, I thank you, Father, that you're restoring us to health. Our bodies are being restored to health. Our minds are being restored to health. And Lord, I ask that you'll even sanctify our concepts of you so that we can see you as the loving Father God that you are, who loves us and has good thoughts towards us. And when you see us, God, we bring you joy. So I thank you for the bread on our hands that we can partake of today. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that you were willing to sacrifice your own son, Jesus, and that his blood paid my sin debt and my friend's sin debt, the sin debt of everyone in the world that accepts his sacrifice. So, Father, as we choose to receive forgiveness today for all of our shortcomings and failures, we choose to release forgiveness to others. Father, I thank you that we don't have to be rejected, but we are accepted. Father, that we are full sons and full daughters in your kingdom. That you died for us. That you're working things out in our lives. And Father, I thank you that as your people humbly come to you and pray. 
that you are with them because you came to planet Earth to be with humans. So, Father, as we receive today the cup, I thank you that you're with us, that you're for us, and that you love us. In Jesus' name. So in a moment, I will commission you all. I'll encourage you, if you'd like prayer for whatever reason, our teams will come down and minister at the front at the altar. The Windsor Lifeline Outreach is having a barbecue right now. Feel free to take your family by and have some barbecue and support our local food bank. Have a very happy Father's Day, and please keep in mind, Windsor Christian Fellowship, you have been equipped. Now go. Go.